And right now, we get a special greeting. We're going to direct our attention to the screens for a special greeting from Kim Thompson, Pastor Ron's wife. I am missing you today. Usually, I get to be there at Twin Cities with my beloved family on Mother's Day to celebrate the gift of our moms and the gift of being moms. But today, something completely rare and wonderful is happening because I got the chance to go with my daughter's high school choir on a trip to be adjudicated and all that, and we're getting to spend today at the happiest place on earth. I'm telling you, these are the coolest high school kids you'd ever want to meet. Happy Mother's Day! And before I go off and check Kari's wind out for the first time, I want to introduce to you my personal favorite speaker, the hottest pastor in California, Ron Thompson. Happy Mother's Day. All right. <laughs> oh, well, his hotness is here, okay? <laughs> oh, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, a couple, I think it was about two months ago, Kim had this uh, opportunity where Jordan said to her, this is totally not my daughter, said to her, hey, why don't you come and be a chaperone with us on this trip? And so, you know, immediately we're both, that's a no-brainer. And so uh, we just thought, okay, instead of you talking about moms, why don't you go be a mom, Okay. And so that's what she was doing, is doing this weekend. Now, I know that some of you are disappointed already uh, because it, that you're like, okay, this is the week Kim always speaks, so that's why even some of you are here today uh, because of that. I know at first, before first service, I ran into people in the lobby, and one person says, oh, you're speaking today. <laughs> Oh, I didn't take it personally. She said, I've invited guests to be here uh, to hear Kim speak today. I'm like, oh, well, okay, there we go. So anyway, happy Mother's Day to all of you. And uh, moms, we just want to know that today uh, our church has done this. This is the 25th time that we've celebrated Mother's Day uh, in our existence, in our history. That's that's how old it is. And so I just want to say thank you for being here and just letting us do this every year. We do the same for Father's Day just want to set aside a time, and not all churches do this, but we just feel that this is an opportunity for us to hold up family, uh, and then mothers and fathers as well. And we're just really glad that you chose to be here today, uh, and maybe you're watching online. Uh, by the way, I got a text after first service. Kim's in a bus coming back from Southern California, and thanks to Wi-Fi on the bus, she watched the first service online, and so that was awesome uh, that she was able to do that. I'm not encouraging you to stay home and watch a church, Okay. It's better to be here by far every time. But anyway, I was just, uh, so I was just trying to figure out what to do today. Uh, it's been quite a few years since I've spoken on Mother's Day. And so I'm like, okay, I really want to you know, hit it out of the park. And I want mothers and uh, all of us to leave here encouraged. And so I did a lot of research. And uh, one of the things I did is I went online and uh, I looked at blogs that moms write. And so uh, I looked at like 35 different articles written by moms on mothering and grace. Uh, I just, I, I want to hear what moms say. I want to be able to speak into their reality. And so uh, what I'm going to share today comes from all of that gleaning. And by the way, I had no idea there were so many blogs out there, okay? So just a heads up about that. There's a lot. So one of the people I listened to was a woman named Jan Hatmaker. Um, she's written several books. She's a mother of five kids, so I thought she could really speak into this. Uh, about this whole idea, and she said that moms want two things on her day, okay? It's two things. So guys, perk up. Kids, listen. Here's the home run approach to Mother's Day, okay? 
the mom in your house wants, number one, to be able to take a nap, okay? So just take a nap. That's high on her list. And number two, she wants to be able to take time to be off the clock, to be off the clock. So the mom in your house basically wants you to handle all of life today and then clean it all up when you're done, okay? So mom's right. Handle all of life and clean it all up when you're done. I, I think we can do that. Now, Mother's Day is one of those uh, holidays and one of those moments that brings with it a, a lot of different emotions and a lot of different feelings. And so uh, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit as we begin today. Uh, Mother's Day, just like motherhood, can be complicated, right, moms? It can just be complicated being a mom. But Mother's Day also brings some complications as well because it comes with all of this emotion and sentimentality. Some of you moms, you're here today, and today is just special. Today is sweet. Uh, you have your children close, and they, uh, if they're not close in proximity, uh, they are close to you relationally and emotionally, and they've expressed their appreciation already to you uh, and the love that they have. Others of you, like me, that uh, you've already expressed your appreciation to your mom. Mom doesn't live close, and so I knew I was going to be busy today, so I called her last night and talked to her about all the things that she's done in my life and just wanted to thank her for the investment that she's made with me. Now, that's some of us. But for other people, Mother's Day brings different kinds of feelings and different stories. Today may be difficult for you where you uh, were thinking about this whole idea of Mother Day, Mother's Day and going to church because your mother's no longer living. Uh, I have people write this to me on connection cards all the time about how they come to an anniversary date of their mom's death or mom's birthday and they feel it so strongly that that mom is no longer here. Maybe your relationship with your mom was not the relationship you would have desired it to be. Today could be complicated for you because maybe you're not yet a mother and you long to be a mom. Maybe this was a year of a miscarriage or this was the year again when the pregnancy test said negative. It could be hard because you've lost a child and my heart really goes out to moms who've lost children and you feel that loss so strongly at Mother's Day. That's why when uh, I, made it just, just, I made a covenant with myself, and, did, and I've done this every year, uh, I was married before Kim uh, to a woman named Darla, and for six years, Darla was killed in an automobile accident, for those who don't know, and I just made a covenant that every year at Mother's Day, I would send her mother, Darlene, flowers, and just say from your daughter, happy Mother's Day, done it every year, and so it's a strong, just... I feel your loss, moms. I really do. Today may be difficult because your mom let you down. Maybe she left. Maybe she rejected you. Maybe she struggled in ways with addictions or other behaviors uh, that profoundly affected you. Maybe it's complicated because you just don't have what you expected to have. Some of you expected more children than you have. That would be true for Kimberly and me, as we expected more than we actually were able to have. Maybe you have a really difficult child. Maybe you have a prodigal. Maybe you have a child who's rejected you, and so you feel that rejection. Maybe it is that you're parenting alone, and you never imagined 
having to carry the burden of being the only parent in a home. Maybe as a, ho- a mom, you're working hard and out in the marketplace, and your desire is to be at home raising your kids. Maybe you're at home raising your kids, and your desire is to be in the marketplace. <laughs> kind of get out. See, there are so many different stories that make, make this day complicated and make this day difficult. And I just want to say how grateful I am for the courage for all of you to be here today, to choose to spend today with your church family. We see you, and your story matters to us, and we are so glad that you're here. Okay, with that kind of just to kind of help us all get to the same place, I want to invite you, if everyone would grab these message notes out of your program, this is what you're going to need today. You'll follow along. All the Bible verses will be here. I'd also like to suggest that you open your Bible to Galatians chapter 2. As I'm going to be there in just a little while as we walk through this whole idea of how to be free in the home. Now, at the top of the notes is our theme verse for the series. We've read it every week. I can't wait till we get to Galatians 5 and actually get to cover it. But this is what Paul writes. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So that's the purpose. That's, Jesus came to set us free. He wants us to stay free. And then Paul says, stand firm, hold tight. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery or submit to that which would rob you of your freedom. So the message of Galatians is this, as we've gone through this series. God has set you free by by grace. Now pursue the grace life. Pursue a grace, a life of grace. So what I want to do today is talk about how moms, and this will relate to every one of us, how each of us are going to be able to see today how God wants us to be involved in being free and being able to be, bring grace into our world, into our homes. See, most moms would tell you uh, when it comes to parenting that they knew way more about parenting before they had kids than after, right? That's just the kind of the reality. Dads would say the same thing as well. So I just want to begin today. This is not going to be a message on you know skills or things you need to do as a parent uh, or you know the kind of application things about parenting. But I want to begin today with kind of wrapping our brains around uh, what it is that we need to be building into our homes. And so I, I found this uh, awesome book. It's called uh, Families Where Grace is in Place. I have some copies in the bookstore if you'd want to look at these. Families Where Grace is in Place by Jeff Van Vonderen. And in this book, he gives the three basic needs that every human being needs to have met needs to have realized in his or her life. So these would be the basic needs that we want to build into our home so that our children experience these. And the first one is this. You want to write this down. We all need to know we're loved and accepted without strings. We all need to know we're loved and accepted without strings. We all need someone who will love us when we're pretty and when we're not. We all need someone who will stay in our corner. Second, we all need to know we're valuable, important, and capable. We all need to know that there's someone who values us the way that we were made, holds us in high esteem, and believes that we're capable of doing something with our lives. We all need to know those three things about it. We need someone who thinks we're awesome and able to do good things. And then the last one is this. We all need to know we're not alone to face life. 
Every one of us needs to know that we are not alone to face life. We need to know that there is someone who wants to be with us and will stand by us. Stand by us through thick or thin. We are not alone. Now, as you're going to see in just a moment as we walk through this verse today, this one verse that we're going to look at, is that each of these three basic needs uh, must be met in your life, mom. And as they're met in your life, then that you build them into the life of those around you, into your children and then others who come in contact with you. As we look through Galatians 2.20, we're going to get to look at that today. But before we do that, I want to take us to 1 Timothy, or actually 2 Timothy, and read a verse. Uh, When we went through our Stronger series, we actually covered this. But I want to read this to us today because it talks to us about the importance of us leaving a legacy. Now, this is for moms and dads, but specifically, it's talking about moms here. And this is what he says. Paul's writing, the same guy who wrote Galatians, he says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith. So he's seen Timothy in action. He's seen who he is. He's seen what he has. And then he says, it's a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, uh, Eunice, and Lois, and now in your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. And so what he's saying is the women, the heritage of the women in your life, that their faith has impacted you, and now you're carrying their, you're carrying, they are carrying your faith as they step out into the world. I was thinking about my mom, and I called her last night, and uh, that my mom, her grandmother was married to a pastor, her mother was married to a farmer, but who loved Jesus, and then my mom was married to a welder. And so you have these three women, and they were the spiritual matriarchs, and they were the ones who really made sure that our family had a spiritual heritage. Now, I'll just say this, that that's no guarantee because a mom has a spiritual heritage that her children are going to walk down between the guardrails that she's established. Look at me. For 10 years, I went ten, a decade, I went off path, out of the rails, until it got to a place where it, my life needed to change or I wouldn't no longer exist. And so at that point, I knew where to go, and I came back onto the path in the guardrails. And that's where I now live my life, but I owe it to, I believe, the heritage that was laid down by my mom, by my grandma, and by my great-grandma. Now, we didn't all have that kind of faith background. We didn't all get to experience something that was passed on to us by the women in the families that went before us. But here's what I will say to us today. This is my encouragement to you. We can all become grace-based legacy builders. Every single one of us, when we choose to pursue the grace life ourselves, when we say, I'm going to do this also. And then Timothy, Paul goes on. I want to include this verse here because it talks about the strength of grace. 2 Timothy 2.1 He says, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. So the whole picture is here. Grace comes to me by God through Jesus. I get to experience that. Now, we're going to go to Galatians 2.20. We're going to be for the rest of our time today. I talked about this verse a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the biblical concept of justification. I know all of you weren't here that day. So justification, just a simple way to look at justification is just as I've never sinned. So God looks at me because of Jesus, just as if I've never sinned, or another way to think about it, just as if I've always obeyed. 
just as if I've always obeyed, which means I've never sinned, right? So he looked, either way, you look at that, that's what happens. So what happens is when I say yes to God based on what Jesus Christ did when he died for my sins on the cross, the Bible says that I'm justified. And what that means is, is that God declares me right. God declares me perfect. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus. This is going to be really important when we get to the end of our talk today. He sees Jesus when he looks at me. Talks about the transfer that's taking place when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, that now God looks at me, and I can't tell you how freeing this is because I know inside of me that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm still in process, that I'm still being transformed to be like Jesus. I still fail. I still fall, you know, am broken. And that knowing the fact that and that's who I am, but God sees me like Jesus, I can't tell you how freeing that is. That I don't have to live with guilt. I don't have to live with the residue of who I am on the inside being reflected to the outside because God sees me like Jesus. Okay, three things. Here we're going to, three things for moms, and I'd say for everybody here today, there's three things for all of us. If we want to leave a legacy of freedom of grace, first, it involves receiving God's grace for me. Receiving God's grace for me. I need to experience that. I need to receive it. So the first step is, I've said, you know, responded to Jesus Christ, and I've received God's grace to me. Now I need to realize that there's grace for me that's going to allow me to live this life he's called me to live. So here we go. Galatians 2.20. This will be a verse that for some of us is so familiar. Maybe we have a coffee mug at home. It's right on the mug. Or we have, a, you know, some kind of stitching or painting in our home with this verse because it's that popular. And this is what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Circle that word faith. We're going to come back to that in a little while. In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I'm going to cover in this first idea the first line. And it said, I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean that I've been crucified with Christ? What it means is, is that when I come to Jesus, my old self has died. When I come to Jesus, my attempts to prove myself worthy or to gain acceptance by what I do has died. Because now I'm accepted by God no matter what I've done. I'm now accepted by him and I can do nothing to earn his approval. So when Jesus died on the cross... He died the death you should have died for the sins that you committed. You were crucified with him. Crucified with him. So, mom, you're receiving the gift that God makes possible when Jesus died for you on the cross. We said several times in this series, I just want us to be so clear about this. We'll restate it again and again. Jesus died the death you deserved so that you could receive the rewards he deserved for the life he lived. Died so that, so that he could receive the punishment that was due you for what you did, so that you could receive the rewards that was due him for the life that he actually lived. Now, I just want to remind you now, on the backside of your notes, we talked about Galatians 2.20 two weeks ago, and I know many of you weren't here, and those of you who are here, you're like me, you don't even remember what I talked about two weeks ago. 
And so what I want to do is I just want to remind you of, of the things we talked about because they're so pertinent to what we're talking about today. So here we go. Because of, the gra- because of grace, I can live like I'm dead to performance. So this is out of Galatians 2.20. I can live like I'm dead to performance. So I'm dead to the idea that I earn my approval by what I do. Now, moms, this is going to have so much application for you. I am dead to the idea that I can earn my approval by what I do. Now, we're going to take it out of the spiritual realm and put it into the practical realm here. I'm dead to believing the formula that says my performance equals my acceptance. This is going to be so freeing for some of you today. Believing that my performance equals my acceptance. So, moms, just listen to this. Your performance is not what will make your home free and fill it with grace. In fact, your performance and your insistence that your performance equals your acceptance may actually be what's robbing your home of grace because it feels like this whole deal is up to you and you've got your hands gripped too tight on the steering wheel. So you must learn to let go of the out, abandon the outcomes to God. So moms, if you believe your kids won't be smart enough, good enough, kind enough, pretty enough, talented enough, safe enough, safe enough, creative enough without you, you're putting too much pressure on yourself to perform for your family and them to perform for you as well. And I was thinking some ideas because I read all of these blogs uh, about what moms say. And so I was thinking about some places where I could help moms today on where it would be good to abandon outcomes to God, where it would be good to let go. So I'm not saying you know, that I've got this down anyway myself, and mom, I would never want to put myself in your shoes, but I would just look at it and say, here are four areas, and you might find a place to write those down. Uh, left a lot of white space there at the top for you, but four areas, mom, where it would help if you were to learn to let go. And the first one is this, let go of believing it's all up to you. Let go of believing it's all up to you. And instead of that, you would say, it's all up to God. Let go of believing it's all up to you. Instead, you would say, it's all up to God. So therefore, what you're going to do is you're going to place your trust in him and what he's doing, that he can do way more than you can do because he's God. And so you just release control of believing that it's all up to you. Now, I've mentioned to you before a prayer I pray Uh, It's called the Apprentice Prayer. Uh, I prayed about four to five days a week. Uh, But there's a line in it that really speaks to this today. And it might be really a mom's prayer today. And here it is. I abandon all outcomes to you today. Talking to God. All outcomes to you today. Your will, your way, your time. I abandon all outcomes to you today. Your will, your way, your time. Okay, that's the first one. Second area where I think it'd be good to think about letting go or abandoning outcomes, mom, is this. Let go of the illusion or the myth of being a perfect mom, of the super mom. Let go of that myth or illusion that you must be a super mom in order for your kids to turn out okay and for everything to be held together. See, moms, there's no such thing as a perfect mom. Guess what? You are a human raising human beings. 
And therefore, you're all going to blow it. There's all, there will be mistakes. And if you're trying to somehow convince your kids and your husband and those around you that you're the perfect mom, I can't imagine the stress you're living with and the sense of failure because you know you're not. So we talked last week about resting in grace. And so if you could just look at it this way, you need to relax and be who you are. You are God's gift to your family. Be who you are. Be the woman God created you to be in your family. Because that's what they need. They don't need a perfect mom. They need that. Number three, let go of the false belief that your kids determine your value. Let go of the false belief that your kids determine your value. Now, so just ask a rhetorical question. What is it that determines your value, mom? Is it the way your kids act? Is it the sports that they compete or excel in? Is it in the instruments that they play? Is it in the grades they bring home? Uh, Is it in the occupations that they have? Is it in the uh, families that they're able to form? Is it in the homes they're able to build? Uh, Those are all nice things. But mom, your value is not based on what your kids accomplish in life. Your value is based on what God says about you. And here's what God says about you. If you're in Jesus Christ, God says that you are a daughter of the Most High King. You are a child of God. Child of the Most High God. And He values you. He made you like you are. So let go of the myth that you have to be a perfect mom. And then the fourth and last is this. This might be a little harder. Let go of what you have expected mothering or family to be like. Let go of what you expected it to be light, like, and instead embrace what you have. can't tell you how freeing this would be for you and probably for your family as well if you let go of the expectations you had about what your family would be like or about life would be like or what your children would be like and instead embraced what you got, embraced what it's like. Some of you just need to die to your expectations. What the things that you believed life would be like before you became a mom. And instead, this is a part of this whole trust thing. Embrace the life that God has given you. Because if you don't, you will live with anxiety. And your anxiety will bleed into your entire world. Bleed into your entire family. But here's the great news. The opposite is also true. If you do these things, if you let go and you abandon, guess what? You will become more peaceful and peace will permeate your home. Permeate your home. So die to the belief that your performance is the most important aspect of who you are and instead let go and abandon outcomes to God. Now, I'm in this classroom. I've been in this classroom a long time and I'm just telling you it's not easy. But it's something that we must do. Okay, next. Now, some of you are going, my word, this is going to take a long time. We're only in the second one. If he does this for every one of these subpoints, we're going to be here all day. So it's not going to go that slow. Okay, here we go. Because of grace, I can live like I'm alive in Christ. So I'm alive in him. I died to needing performance, but now he makes me alive. He fills me up. See, the life of being a follower of Jesus is not you trudging it out living for Jesus. 
That's not the life of a follower of Jesus. But the life of a follower of Jesus is what happens is at the moment you say yes to him, he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you, and his Holy Spirit lives, his li- lives the life he wants you to live through you. Lives it through you. You become alive. And then third, because of grace, I can live like I am dependent on Jesus. So I'm dependent on him. All things come from him. I depend on strength. I depend on wisdom. I depend on his empathy. Okay, second idea is this. Leaving a legacy of grace and freedom at home involves accessing God's grace in me. So I just made reference to this. Accessing God's grace in me. And he says in 2.20, kind of the section B, he says this. It is no longer I who live, but now guess what? Christ lives in me. It's Christ now living in me. It's no longer me. I'm dead to performance, and now I have Christ in living in me, and Christ is giving me energy. Christ is giving me direction. Christ is giving me wisdom. He's the one that's calling me outward to be the person he's called me to be. Paul wants us to know how much God loves us. Now, you know, what's, what's really great about this series uh, as for those of you who are going to be with us for the entire series, is that, uh, is that last week we kind of opened the door just to crack on uh, the Holy Spirit and how he's going to works in us and comes into us. And as we go, the door is just going to get flown wide, thrown wide open as we talk about the influence of Holy Spirit into our lives and what he wants to do. But the number one thing God wants for us to be able to do, Christ is alive in me, and he wants me to be able to know how much he loves me. That's the security. So look at these verses, Ephesians 3. So that Christ may, what, dwell in your hearts through faith. This happens by faith, by belief. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we might ask or think according to the power that is work within us. So the obvious reality is, is that when I died with Christ, here's the, here's the next piece, I was also resurrected with Christ. And as a resurrected being, I have him alive in me to give me the strength that he wants me to have. So then as a follower of Jesus now, this is where it kind of gets, you know, the, gets real for us. It's not about what we do for God. Life is all about what we do with God and the energy that he's already given us and placed inside of us. He offers us his strength and we need his strength because he's inside of us. He forms his character inside of us. And that means we're going to look at these in just a little while. I've had a hard time not going and jumping ahead to Galatians 5. We're going to look at these where he would plant love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. That's what he lives out in our lives through us because of his presence in us. Now, here's what's really cool. As Jesus is in us, he's not impersonal. So he's there to be compassionate with me on days I need compassion. He's there to offer me empathy. I've just really been struggling, and you know, we've been talking about empathy for quite a bit in the church. Maybe in the last year, I've talked about it quite a bit, and this whole concept of empathy, just you know, just acknowledging that something's a big deal, and that there's hope. 
And here's the really cool thing. Jesus offers us empathy, and he will give us his empathy. And the awesome thing here for us is you may be sitting here going, I don't know anything about empathy. I don't understand that. Well, here's the deal. As you learn to receive it, you can learn to give it. And so Jesus wants to offer you his empathy. So the best way for a mom to learn to express empathy is to learn to receive it from Jesus. It's a skill we must learn. So when the father looks at you, just remember this now. This gets back to being right. When the father looks at you, he sees his son. He does. He sees his son when he looks at you. So now think about that. God's looking at you. You're in Christ. When God looks at you, he looks at you with the warmth he has for Jesus. That's how he looks at you. He looks at you, and he, in you, he sees the security that he has that Jesus has in relationship with him. He looks at you, he sees the love that he has for his son. He looks at you, he sees all the dreams he has for his son. That's what he sees in you. The sense of belonging that comes from being accepted by him and walking with him is what we experience and what he wants us to give away. So when you're in Christ, you really can do what we talked about last week. Some of you still have a hammock in your mind from last week, or there's a treadmill on this side, treadmill where I'm earning my favor, uh, favor by my performance, and hammock is I realize I'm already accepted so I can rest. When we learn this, and this is you know maybe nap time for moms, is that we can rest, rest in what he's doing for us. Okay, last idea is this. Leaving a legacy of grace and freedom at home involves spreading God's grace around me, spreading God's grace around me. So here's the deal. I grew up in Oklahoma, and uh, where there are lots of farmers all around, okay? And I'm just going to amaze you now by my wisdom, okay? Just, just so you know, okay, amaze you. When you plant crops, what you spread is what you harvest. Aren't you amazed now? When you plant crops, what you spread, the seed you spread, is what you harvest. The same principle is true with grace. Now look at what Paul says in section C of Galatians 2.20. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Circle again, that word faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I just want to help us understand faith a little bit before we go on. Faith means to believe in something... But it's not just believe in it because I feel it. It's I believe in something so strongly that I'm going to place my trust and confidence in it, and I'm acting on it. That's faith. You know, so many, so many people just think faith is belief. Uh, faith is more than belief. Faith is when I believe something, when I know it, and then I act on it because I have confidence, and I trust it, and I step out. Faith results in action, trust, and confidence. I act on it. So it's a belief that I trust God, and for mothers, I trust God, and even the most harrowing of mothering experiences or difficulties. So I, I just want this next verse, I want to encourage you, Mom. This may be the reason you came today. It's for 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and I just want to encourage you that you might want to memorize it, write this down, copy it somewhere, paste it on your mirror, uh, put it on your phone so it's on your screen, whatever you need to do to see this. This is what Paul says about the whole concept we're talking about. God is able to, able to make all grace abound to you. And you might personalize this, Mom, if you do this, a me, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. So it kind of leaves nothing out, right? All times. 
you, I may abound in every good work. And this is the part that Kim asked me to put into my talk for today. Is that whole concept of you spread, when you spread God's grace, you influence your environment. You impact your environment. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For our context, spreads the fragrance of grace everywhere. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. I grew up, as I said, in Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma, that we have a lot of livestock and farming and all the things that come with that. And uh, I, I just remember growing up uh, as a kid, and we had the, uh, what was called feedlots, okay? The biggest one was Texas County feedlots. And a feedlot is just a, a bunch of corrals and a place where they bring cows to feed them food to fatten up for market. And so you got all these cows in hot Oklahoma sun and in these pens, and they eat, and they... Number two, and so, okay... <laughs> That's what they do, and so what happens is, is that the, the smell is just awful, okay? One of the worst smells you could ever experience. And so, I, I mean, this is back before air conditioning in cars. At least my parents didn't have air conditioning in cars. So we'd be driving along the highway, having the windows down. We'd drive by the feedlot, and as we saw them getting close to the feedlot, all the windows, didn't matter what the temperature was, all the windows came up because we are trying to keep the smell out. No matter what you did, it didn't keep it out. And then, because, you know, you're living in Oklahoma where the wind blows all the time, sometimes the wind was not in your favor, and so it would actually blow the smell into your house, okay? And you would have it there. So that's one way that... Aroma or fragrance can impact the environment, okay? Let me give you another uh, picture, though, maybe a little better. Uh, I don't remember, maybe Wednesday? Wednesday, I'm walking, we have some cubicles over here in our office, so I'm walking along, going to the printer, and uh, I go by, by a cubicle, and go by a cubicle, and one of our ministry assistants is in her cubicle, she's standing up, and she's leaning over a box in her chair, and she's sniffing it, like this. And so I just, I gotta stop and see what's going on here. So I stop. And she goes, it smells like perfume. It smells like perfume. Well, I had to see myself. Okay, It was a box full of oatmeal and Larabars and stuff that had been shipped to the church by accident. It was her personal ship. But, and so I bent over and I said, no, it didn't smell like perfume at all. And then we stood up and we both smelled perfume. And so we look around and the next cube was another ministry assistant who had gone out for a walk on a sunny day. And she would put this amazing smelling sunscreen on. And so she's sitting there reeking of sunscreen, but it was influencing the environment in a positive way. And that's what God wants us to do with grace. He wants you and me as we go through our world to be bringing his fragrance so that his fragrance is being smelt, the fragrance of grace. Folks, our world needs this. We don't need more rules. We don't need more regulations. We don't need no more churches yelling at people. We need churches followers of Jesus to step out with the love of grace into our world. It's the only way, it's the only chance for us to know grace and live grace and love people. And so that's what God has called us to do in the home, mom, as well, to be a person who just brings, you think about, you know, your perfume you put on and when you walk around, the whole house smells like that. We can imagine if your whole house smelled like grace. 
Can you imagine as you walk out your door if everything smelled like grace everywhere you went? That's what God's called us to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and let's close in prayer. Oh, Father, I just come to you and I thank you for the moms here today and the courage that some of them had just to be here. For the excitement others had to be here as they had their kids with them or grandkids and just they didn't know that they've been praying for them. God, I just thank you so much that you want every one of us as your children to walk with you, to know you to experience your grace. And so I, I just pray today now for moms to be free. And as we talked about, that there's several things that maybe it's time to let go of. And maybe one of those really spoke to a mom today, that today she would say, I'm letting go of that. I'm abandoning the outcome to the God most high who loves me as his daughter. And God, I pray for all of us as we, we just come to this place of, being alive in Jesus and letting him live through us, that we would be representatives of Jesus that can impact our world, can change the aroma in a room and in a community, God, that we can be the kind of people who bring grace, share it, that others may experience you. God, I just pray now for your strength, Holy Spirit, work in us, and through us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.